Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240, for Autumn Semester 2023. Today, stock valuation. A couple of pointers before we go too far here. Uh, we will have a quiz on Wednesday, a surprise quiz, and so I encourage you to be surprised by it. Make sure you have that bond template down cold because that will save you a lot of pain on the quiz. And there'll be a couple of questions, uh, not terribly difficult, but questions about the capital asset pricing model and all that good stuff. Uh, on, a, on a completely different note, I do have the podcast on my own website and on, um, well, uh, on uh, Apple iTunes, but I've now got them... I've, I, uh, I'm, I've gotten a truce declared between me and YouTube, so they're now on YouTube as well, uh, on the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium under my name. And then I've also now set up my, uh, I finally bit the bullet and paid for a full professional account with RSS. Now the RSS podcasts have a transcript with them, so you can read it, you can print it or you know just have it there and that's something that I had been deficient all along so the only thing that's left is to try to figure out how to get YouTube to take the, the transcript as a closed caption. Uh, I used to do closed captions all the time on YouTube but something as weird has changed about it and they don't do closed captions automatically but I do have the transcript now so I'll figure out that. But if you need a transcript or you want a transcript of the lectures, uh, they are now in the RSS. And I'll send out a message uh, for the link to the RSS feed for the, uh, for the uh, uh, podcasts as soon as I figure out what the URL is of my podcasts there. But that's all uh, just adding depth to the service so that you have a lot of different ways to spend your time listening to my lectures wherever you go, anytime, day or night, when you're lonely, when you, when you just feel sad, you can listen to my podcast and it will make you feel even more so, uh, or something like that. Okay, uh, as a caution, we will use Excel in the class today. Now, the Excel looks a little bit tedious, but I guarantee you that before, give you an idea. Doing these kinds of problems with the, uh, with the stock valuation and with the bond yields, I used to get a typical on a quiz for these kinds of problems. 20, 25%, somewhere in that range, it was always got them right. Since I've been using Excel, that, uh, that correct answer average is now between 80 and 85 percent. So yeah, even if the Excel looks a little tedious, it's a lot better. The caution I have today about the Excel is, 
I can't exactly make you a template. What I do today, I'll upload, but I'll warn you that you're going to have to customize it a little bit for any problem that you would have. So anyway, with that in mind and getting started, we have a look at the happiness that was the markets today. Um, it was just an odd day. It was one of those days where the market really didn't have a decision. It went, uh, as you can see with uh, all of them, they started out down, then they rose, and then they just finished the day off down again. It, but it wasn't spectacular. There wasn't anything about it that was impressive at all. The only one that barely finished up was the NASDAQ. The Dow finished down. Well, that's actually down more than half a percent. But the S&P 500 was down a measly 0.17%. Uh, and the NASDAQ actually, it was nosediving after the... Uh, lunchtime, but it stayed above the, the opening at the end. Uh, hard to say. Crude oil is back in its nice trading range, 82 to 88. You'll recall a couple of weeks ago, it did a little foray above 88, up to about 93, and then it chickened out, and it's been down there bouncing around in that nice 82 to 88 range ever since then. And which actually is good news aside from gas prices. If uh, the, the, there is a conflict going on in the Middle East, it does have impact on the potential for uh, supply disruptions of oil from the Middle East. But if you look at the price of crude oil, it hasn't jumped. So there's not a, any kind of significant war premium. That is a good sign because the traders in oil, they have their finger on the pulse of the world far better than the typical journalist or even politician has. We're in this game for money. We either make money or we lose money. And we're generally in a kind of a situation where we want to not let that happen. Good grief. <laughs> so, if there really were a significant risk of a regional war that would disrupt oil, you would see the price of oil going through the roof right now. It isn't. So, as far as the current right now is concerned, I don't think you should sweat having a, ending up getting cold up in a draft or anything like that. Uh, which is good news because I need you to stay until I give you your final. Uh, and then you can go off to war if you want. But anyway, gold, it's still below that resistance at 2000. So that fear factor that gold would be reflecting isn't there either. So that's another message that there is another sector of traders who are bent on greed and on pure expectations that are not reacting adversely to the situation that's going on. It's a tragedy, but at the same time, it is not a financial problem at this point. Now, the euro appreciated, got its wind under it, so did the pound. Okay, bonds. The yields went down, so the prices went up. Not surprising that 
there is a movement of money to bonds. However, well, what was that? The yields dropped, well, that's actually almost nine basis points. So there was this movement of money into the bond market. But if you look over here at Standard Poor's, that was not really money being pulled out of equities. So I, you wouldn't call that a flight to quality, running away from stocks to pour the money into the safe harbor of bonds. It wasn't that. You would have seen uh, stocks drop more. But if we look at the volume, there again we have that very odd thing that's been going on for quite a while, that the volume today at 2.4 billion was substantially less than the volume on a typical day over the previous over the past year at 3.7 billion so the big money is still staying on the sidelines it's not going anywhere it's just sitting there although these volumes are beginning to pick up a little bit they're nowhere near where they were on average over the last year uh, you keep it makes one people wonder when are they going to get back into the game they're just so cautious so skittish about it hard to tell what they're when they're going to finally decide that it's time to put skin into the game again instead of hiding it in cash uh, but we'll see over the next few weeks how that goes there will be preliminary numbers coming in over the next month about pre-Christmas sales revenue. It's not a good indicator, but it'll give us an idea of whether consumers are going to be uh, aggressive in buying or if they're going to be defensive in buying. Me, I hope they're aggressive so I get more Christmas presents. Mm. Just a look around the market a little bit. Netflix had a wild run upward, NFLX. So let's see if Netflix has chilled. Nope. It's still moving upward, for heaven's sakes. What is it with that stock? It, it, the thing of it is that they were bragging about, well, our subscriptions went up. That's great news. Look, they've got almost the whole world. What do they do? Find some islands in the Pacific that they got people to subscribe? Most likely, it's because they just keep jacking up their prices and for subscriptions and all kinds of excuses for raising your prices and all that. So that's bigger revenues. Amazon is now jumping into the game. They're going to start charging in January a fee if you don't want to have ads in Amazon Prime movies, which more revenue for them. And so you're going to see these services, these subscription services, their gains are going to be all on their ability to just keep raising their prices. Subscriptions, more subscriptions and all that, that's not the name of the game. It's can, the, can they trust that their consumers are going to be stuck on them. With Netflix, one of the advantages is they run those television series. And that means that you have a huge number of subscribers who are hooked on the series. They can't stop using Netflix because they, have, they wouldn't be able to watch the shows that they have gotten so used to over time. And that's why Netflix just keeps cranking out those series to just keep catching people so that they won't go somewhere else. And, and uh, 
uh, for service. Enough of that. Now, this is about stock valuation. I take a little bit different approach from how the book does it. I don't go into a long-winded explanation with a lot of detail in why this variable, why this parameter is what it is and all this and what it means. I take you through it on a technical level. Let's just get it done and then we can talk philosophy of what the numbers mean at another time. But the goal is to find ways to value stock. And by value, I mean intrinsic value, that not the market price. It's by that intrinsic value that we can tell whether the market price is, uh, it's, uh, whether the stock price is overvalued or undervalued. So we go with these sort of like stair-step models. The first one is pretty lame. It is a simple model that goes like this. Okay. This is called the dividend model. <coughs> the dividend model is just, it works like this. JVL Corp. You buy one share today in a year you'll get a dividend of a dollar forty-five and in another year you'll get a dividend of a dollar sixty and in another year you'll get a dividend of a dollar fifty And then you'll sell the stock for eighteen dollars and fifty cents. So you're going to get a dividend check at the end of one year for a dollar forty five. Another year, you'll get a dividend check for $1.60. And then, 
the end of the third year, you'll get a dividend check for $1.50, and as soon as you get the dividend, you sell it for $18.50. Pretty unrealistic model, but it's where we start. Draw a timeline. And I guarantee you these timelines kind of look lame, but you're going to see me do it every time simply because otherwise I can't keep track of what I'm doing here. So we've got years one, two, three. At the end of year one, we've got $1.45. At the end of year two, you'll have $1.60. You'll get $1.60. At the end of year three, you're going to get a check for $1.50. And then you say sell, so you also get your proceeds from the sale of $18.50 at the end of that year. So all I have to do is take the present value of each of these cash flows and add them up. And I've got the current price of the stock. That's all there is to it. Now the template, what I'm using, I'm going to use Excel to do this. But you would, for this one, you can do it without much. Oh, let me put one more thing here. Um, The discount rate for these cash flows. I always forget that. Flows is, let's say, 8.6%. Okay. Oh, really? We'll just use a quick, dirty model for this. Here, dividend. sale price. Discount rate. And then we'll get the price. Year one, year two, year three, I'm going to give a separating line column there. And then we're going to get the price of the stock. P0. Format that so it's a subscript, really. Okay. So the dividend. We have a dividend of what was it? A dollar forty-five. A dollar sixty. And 
and a dollar fifty was it? Yeah, a dollar fifty. And in that third year, we also get eighteen dollars and fifty cents. Got to get that down. And I also want to put my um, discount rate in there, 8.6%. And so all you do for the price is say equals NPV open parenthesis. The first thing you'll put in is the rate. And then you'll put in, put in a comma. And then you give the reference for the first dividend, comma, the second dividend, comma. Now for the third dividend, you have the dividend plus the sale price. Let you get that before I close, and then you close the parenthesis. I'm finding the present value of a dollar forty-five one year out, a dollar sixty-two years out, and a dollar fifty plus eighteen dollars and fifty cents three years out. That's all there is to it. Survey says eighteen dollars and thirty-one cents. You got the answer right. I'm impressed. Very good. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Nothing hard about that one at all. But the thing though is that it's still not technically a template. I'll upload this tonight, all of this. But you see, you'd have to give it at the right number of years. You'd have to insert, lot, insert rows. If it were six years, you'd have to put in a couple more rows for the years four, five, and six. Usually you probably want to put those in just below the year, the uh, last year, your terminal year. Like if I wanted to put in some more years, I'd two more years insert, <laughs> that didn't work, control Z. Okay, put it in here, control, well, insert. And maybe one more year, that'd make a five year. But again, you'd have to you have to customize it for the number of years so that you'd have enough and then But that that's that's not too much of a problem if you understand. I mean you can and that'll be true with the other ones. They aren't true templates because you would have to customize them. Now I can write a VBA script so that I can just, it'll, it'll ask me at the beginning, how many years? And I'll tell it and it'll make that many years. But if you don't want to go to a VBS, uh, to a macro, yeah. 
Sure can. Got it? You might have to ask me that again because I always forget it on every one of these. I hit enter, it drops down one so you can't see the formula. Now, interestingly, see this last thing here where I take a dividend and add it to a value? You'll see that again. The last model does that same trick. So if you want to look at it fancy, the dividend model simply does this. The current price, P0, is nothing but the sum from I equals 1 to N. N is the years held of the dividend in year I divided by the discount rate to the I, 1 plus discount rate to the I power. That's the present value of the dividends plus the dividend, the price in year N discounted back N years. That's the actual formula. It looks impressive, but all we're doing is using a summation as a shorthand notation. But, it, I mean, if you want to just leave your notes open when you got friends around and they see that, they'll be impressed by how deep your math skills are. It's just the sum of the discounted dividends plus the discounted value of the future stock price. That's all it is. Now, let me put that one. Dividend model. Scooch it to the front. <laughs> okay, so now the next one we're going to use is actually the simplest of the models. The constant growth dividend, and I brought this one up earlier in the course. The constant growth dividend model. And like I said, I brought this up earlier in the course. Companies that have substantial years behind them will attempt to have a stable growth rate of the dividends. This makes a stock less risky because the dividend is understood by investors. And it also for them, it's not a matter of trying to figure out what should we do the dividend this year. Well, it's just grow the dividend last year by a certain policy percentage the company will have. Okay, we're going to grow dividends at 1.75% just every year. That will be a, and this creates a degree of certainty in the cash flows. The price of the stock may go up and down, but you know what the dividend is going to be year over year. Just a, it's just a constant growth rate. 
And like I said, this is for older companies, stable companies. They'll generally have lower betas because they're older and they have this certainty in the dividends. And they're also good for different kinds of investors, like uh, investors that are somewhat, say, an older couple would have more knowledge, understanding. I buy this stock. These are the dividends from year to year to year that I'll get based upon the growth rate that we know. As I said, I actually went through and looked at some old companies and their dividends year over year. Sure enough, the dividend had a relatively, not perfect, but relatively constant growth rate. So what's the model for that? It's ridiculously simple. The price of the stock, P0, will be the dividend one period out over the discount rate minus the growth rate. And the dividend one period out is just going to be the dividend, the most recent dividend, grown one period, divided by the R sub S minus G. So in other words, this would be your guide. RLA Corp just paid a $1.80 per share dividend. That is expected to grow at a constant rate of 2.5% for the foreseeable future. These cash flows should be discounted at 2.5%. So in other words, the price, current price, should be the current dividend grown one period at 2.5% divided by 0, 0.0, no, I'm sorry, discounted, I, I wrote 2.5% again, it's 7.9% for the discount rate. 0 0.079 minus 0 0.025. So let's just go through it in Excel. Now this one, yeah, this is a true template because all I'm going to do is I'm going to put in the discount rate 
the growth rate, and the current dividend. 7.90%, 2.50%, and $1.80. And then all I'll do is say equals, oops, equals D0, one which is cell B3, times one plus the growth rate, <coughs> which is cell B2, divided by, open parentheses, and don't, for heaven's sakes, don't forget to open the parent, put the denominator in parentheses. The discount rate, 7.9%, B1, minus the growth rate, 2.5%, which is B2. Whoops. $34.17. That's all there is to it. You can't beat that. That's very straightforward. And this really is a template. All you, if it's a constant growth dividend model you're using, just fill in the discount rate, the growth rate, and the dividend, and P0 will calculate. Let me put something in here, right here. I'll fix something here. Now, if you're wondering what I did there, if I don't have any numbers in those first three slots, I'll get a, an error. So I just simply put in a little trick there called if is error. If is error, my formula, then just put NA. Otherwise, do the formula. That's what I did. You, if you want to use that, it's a good way to keep error messages from showing up on your spreadsheets. You don't need to know it, but it's kind of a nice little uh, sophisticated trick. So in other words, if these were all blanks, whoops, it would say NA instead of error. And by the way, if you, what I did there, if you don't know, if you want to get out of something you've done, you did something and it wasn't what you wanted, you hit control Z and it will go back to the what you had before. A few little stupid pet tricks along the way in Excel. Now, the last one. <clears throat> 
is the more is the most realistic of these models. It's called the horizon value model. Works like this. You got a company, it's starting to pay, it's paying dividends, but they are not constant, they're not constant growth, they're kind of all over the place. One year pays a nice dividend, the next year pays a crappy dividend, next year might not pay a dividend, then it comes back the next year and pays a dividend. That is actually not unusual. Eventually, there will be a place where the dividends stabilize into a constant growth. Now, what we do with this is we put in the dividends that are unstable. I'm going to draw a timeline on this guy. Those dividends that you see right there. Your zero, your one, your two, your three, your four, and your five. Now in this one, the dividends stabilize to a constant growth at year four. So we have the dividends, what did I put there? One sixty-five, a dollar sixty-five in year one. And then in year two, they pay a dividend of $2. But in year three, they don't pay a dividend. So it's zero in year three. And then in year four, they pay a dividend of $1.90. And right there, from then on, the dividends grow at a constant rate of two and a quarter percent every year from then on. See that formula right there? The actual formula is a price at n minus one is a dividend at n over r sub s. So the dividend at n would be the dividend, and you don't need to know this, so exactly, is the dividend one period before grown a period. So in other words, the dividend right here is going to be $1.90 times 1 plus 0 0.025. It's growing constantly. Year four, and then after that, it grows at a constant rate of 2.25%. So year five is just the year four dividend grown 
one year, 2.25%. So that means that in Excel, what I would want to do is I would want to just take, whoops, the dividend, this is turning out white, I would want to take the dividend at year four, grow at one period times one plus the growth rate, so the dividend at year five is $1.94. But now I can take that and find the value of the stock at year four. I write that bigger. That value right there is called the horizon value. And it's the price of the stock at the year of the horizon, at the year when the stock's dividend stabilized. It's called the horizon value. So in other words, in year four, I would have Oops. Equals the dividend one period farther out divided by R minus G. That is the price of the stock at year four. That's the price of the stock at year four. It's called the horizon value. The horizon is year four. Yeah. Sure can. I did it again, didn't I? <laughs> In a physical sense, this is what we see at the horizon. 
We don't need to see any further because at the horizon is everything that will happen afterward. In other words, this formula is capturing the perpetuity that happens after we reach the horizon. You just kind of have to look at it a few times, maybe listen to this podcast, the podcast of this lecture, and just hear it again, because, I mean, if you get it the first time, you're, you're impressive. If you don't, I wouldn't sweat it too much, you'll get it. It's, a it's actually mechanical. Now, let's get down here to the price. We did this before. Equals NPV, open the parenthesis. <laughs> Equals NPV, open the parentheses. And we get the rate, 8.20%, comma. Now you just go through the dividends like we did on the original model, the simplest one. There's the dividend at year one, comma, year two, comma, year three, comma, year four, but no comma. Year four, we have the dividend plus the horizon. Remember we did that in the first one. Close the parenthesis. And $28.44. There it is. That fast. Now again, this is a quasi model because this would be the case where you have four years of dividends. You say, wait, five years. No, four years, because the fifth year is just a calculation off the fourth year. So if you wanted more years, you'd have to add in some more lines here, more rows, and put in those. And then your uh, horizon would be the year before the dividend that you calculated the last year. So, let's do it again. We'll have a discount rate of 7.40% and a growth rate of 1.75%. Now I'm going to string out seven years of dividends. The dividends are 85 cents in year one, $1.05 in year two. $1.40 in year three, $1.15 in year four, $1.35 in year five, six uh, in year six, $1.50, and in year seven, $1.45. Year seven is the horizon. Now we're going to need to calculate the year eight dividend because that's what you use for the seventh year 
horizon value. It's going to be, since it's growing at a constant rate now, it'll be year seven times one plus the growth rate. Oh, will you stop it? Plus the growth rate of 1.75%. Close the parentheses. So the year eight dividend is B8 times, open parenthesis, one plus B12, close parenthesis. And there's year eight dividend. So now, up here in, row, in column C, I can calculate the horizon value. It will be the year eight dividend divided by, wait, let me do something here. It will be the year eight dividend Try that again. B9 divided by the discount rate, 7.4% minus the growth rate, 1.75% in parenthesis again. So the horizon value will be $26.11. In other words, we are projecting that in year seven, at the end of year seven, the stock price will be $26.11. That's our forecast. And the rest of it is easy. The P0, dang on it, come on. The price right now is going to be equal to the NPV, open parenthesis. God, <coughs> I got that on white. Will equal the NPV, open parenthesis. First, you put in the discount rate, B11, comma. Then you put in the cash flows, one after the other. B2, comma. B3, comma, B4, comma, B5, comma, B6, comma, B7, comma, and then B8 plus the horizon value C8. See how it's the same setup every time. You just take the present value of each dividend, but the last one, you do the dividend plus the horizon. Close the parentheses, and there's your Uncle Bob, $22.34. Now again, if you get how this template works, you can just scooch in a couple, insert a couple of rows to put in more dividend years, and out will come the result. 
Matter of fact, let me try something here. I'm probably going to be sorry. Suppose that this, there were two more years of random dividends. I would put in your five So we go clear out to year nine as the horizon, put in, uh, let's say, dollar fifty-five and eighty-five cents. And then I just modify. Yeah, the horizon will stay the same because that's what happens after those years of, of random dividends. But this guy, you'll have to alter it because I'll have to put in some more. I'll have to get rid of, well, B5. I'll have to put in B6 and B7. Then B8, then B9. And then B10 plus C10, yeah. Hmm, isn't that interesting? I get that right? Yeah, B2, B3, B4, B5, B6, B7, B8, B9. And then B10 plus C10. Yeah, that's it. So you can modify this. It, uh, if you need to put in more years or take out years, you can do it. So it's not a true model. You can't, don't have to just click it and go. You can, you you might have to modify it some. Let me take it back to the original. There you go. Why is the second... Did you see how that other one... This one is $22.34. And then when I added those extra years, it went down a little to $21. Do you know why that happened? It was because the horizon value happened two years later, so its present value is lower. You got it? I, I stopped for a second myself. I thought, wait a minute, why did that happen? It went down. It's because the horizon was in year four, at the end of year four, and now the horizon is clear out there at the end of year seven. So that $26.11 is going to be discounted back more years. So it has a lower present value. And the horizon value is what dominates the current value. I'll be darned. Okay, so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this back, put it back on, this, on the original model. And I'm going to save this.
um, in documents. Well, let me browse. Let me not do it that way. I get in trouble when I do it that way. Documents. And I'll call this stock valuation. And then I've got to upload it to Canvas, to your files folder in Canvas under spreadsheets. I think I've got a spreadsheets folder for you. And you'll have it practice with it. This will help you with your homework and Cengage homework too. That's enough for one day. That's all I have for you. I thank you.